0: Hello and welcome to Top Deck Insight, our podcast where we talk about everything Magic the Gathering. My name is Josh. My
1: name is Sarah. And
0: I'm Sam. And today we wanted to introduce you to us, to our podcast, and give you a little insight into our history with Magic the Gathering. So I have a few questions here which I'd like both of you to answer and I'll answer myself. And I think we should just jump straight into it. I'll ask first question. Who are you and what's your history with Magic the Gathering? Now I'll go first. Mm -hmm. I'm Josh. I've been playing Magic the Gathering since the War of the Spark release weekend. I uh, initially went into a local game store to play Dungeons and Dragons and there was just a really really great energy in the room. I think everybody was super excited for War of the Spark. I knew nothing about magic at the time. From what I know, that was a pretty crazy set, the amount of planeswalkers that were in it. It was very novel. I think people were very excited and I could really sense that energy in the room. And we had a friend who was already playing Magic, who introduced me to the game. And I, you know, I used to play like Yu Gi Oh! and Pokemon way back in the day when I was a lot younger. And I fell out of all of that, but I definitely did enjoy it. And I already liked Dungeons and Dragons. So I thought I'd give Magic the Gathering a try. And I went ahead and bought the Jace Arcane Strategist Simic Planeswalker deck, um, one of the War of the Spark Planeswalker decks. Uh, It was sort of a 1-1 counter themed deck, and I just jumped straight in. I remember going to my first FNM not long after that and playing pretty much this out-of-the-box Planeswalker deck and getting my butt handed to me (laughs) by this Tier 1 Esper Control list being played by a very competitive player, uh, a Spike. And uh, I remember it being just the most drawn-out long game because I didn't know what was going on. And they managed to resolve to Fairy Hero of Dominaria, they managed to ult Fairy. they started exiling all of my cards and then all of my lands, and I didn't actually, I didn't realise how badly I had lost and how long ago. And so the game ended up being really, really drawn out. And at the end of that game, I remember thinking to myself, you know what, maybe this game is not for me. Maybe <laughs> I'm not gonna stick with this. But for one reason or another, I did. And then, oh, maybe like a year and a half later now, I love the game, I have several decks, I no longer play out of the box Planeswalker decks. I'd like to think that my decks have improved a little bit since then. And uh, I I understand what scooping is. <laughs> yeah, which is helpful. Yeah, against us for control. Yeah, yeah especially. <laughs> um, and so that's me. Uh, who wants to go next? Uh, I'll go next. So my name is Sam. I joined at a similar time. It was actually Josh himself that got me into Magic the Gathering. And my first sort of experience with Magic the Gathering would have been... So the first deck my brother introduced me to was a choice between the 2018 Challenger decks, I believe and there was a choice between the mono-red and the mono-white decks. So sort of my, my, my thought process going into it was well the mono-red one has a goblin on it and the mono-white one has a soldier on it and I thought the soldier seemed more badass so I went with it. Um, and it wasn't by any means a bad deck, it was a brilliant deck. I added some great upgrades to it, I made it into a sort of like a... I took out the life game strategies, added some sort of just mono-white weenie strategies and it was a really proficient deck but it was after that I realised the Mono Red deck was much better. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I yeah. knew that at the <laughs> time when we first bought you that deck. I did know that, but I didn't want to ask you which colours you wanted to play and then you pick one and I say, no, nah, this one's actually yeah. better, just have this. Exactly, Like I think the, the magic in Magic the Gathering is kind of picking out a deck that, well not even just a deck, anything that that appeals to you. Um, if a sort of tribe appeals to you, uh, go with that one. Like as long as as long as you're having fun with it, it doesn't matter sort of how competitively you start off with. Even though the deck itself was competitive, it was something that I liked. I enjoyed that idea of playing like an army of creatures and yeah. like advancing into war kind of thing. And you did do okay. With I the did deck. do really good. Uh, so the first time I actually properly used it uh, was in F and standard tournament. And my first opponent was actually in a mirror match, uh, and the, my opponent also had, I, I'm assuming he had the challenger deck and he would also upgraded it, um, but he had plenty of cards that I didn't spend money on, uh, such as Gideon Blackblade, that was an expensive card back then, um, and I ended up coming out on top, just barely, Because I, I actually remember it went to time, and it was like the last five turns, and I managed to kill him. It went to time two yeah. mono weenie decks. yeah, which, which is crazy. <laughs> Forty five minutes of <laughs> two aggro decks going at each other somehow went to the last turn, um, but I ended up coming out on top and that was that was a great feeling. It was it been a while since I had been in sort of that. It's like FNM is a fun environment, but it is also you know it is a tournament at the end of the day and it, you do get that competitive feeling when you're when you're playing in it. And so yeah, like being triumphant in my first game with it, it felt really accomplishing. Uh, Especially against my my opponent, who Josh told me was a common winner of these tournaments, Um, he was a very proficient player. So I felt I felt pretty accomplished, and that kind of I think that kind of kicked my Magic: The Gathering interest more because I was like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. (laughs) So yeah, it went (laughs) a very different experience to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think you were thrown in the deep end, and I was (laughs) I was uh, jumped out the deep end. What was your favorite card from that deck? Oh, favorite card. I think I really fell in love with Ajani's pride mate. Um, Ajani's pride mate and Ajani himself. He wasn't in the deck, but I, I started looking up, like, that night. I started like, looking up the planeswalker and all the lore behind him and I was like, this guy's badass. Yeah. I think my favorite card from the that deck was Adanto Vanguard. Oh my gosh, yeah. Such a great card. Yeah, Adanto Vanguard. Just such an amazing Aggro card is mm. so good against control. I definitely miss him. Yeah, I still play it in historic. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's yeah, I, I really yeah. like that card. Yeah, that, man, one, yeah. that's a Man, what Yeah, great card. It was such a great card. Yeah. Uncommon. Okay, uh, so Sarah, who are you and what's your history with Magic the Gathering?
1: Well, as you just said, I'm Sarah and I've been playing Magic for over a year now. Yeah, the first time I played, we've gone down to our local game store to see my brother, who is said friend that introduced us all to Magic the Gathering. And after watching you guys play for a bit whilst I was playing Mario Kart on the Switch, <laughs> um, I decided to give give it a go. Someone had a mono-black deck that was basically full of zombies and vampires, and that was enough for me. I was hooked <laughs> from them, and then Josh, you kindly bought me the Sorin Planeswalker deck from the 420, because vampires. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first I built though was Orzhov Aristocrats deck, which was centered around Taysa Karloff, which, as you guys know, is a love affair that remains strong to this day, <laughs> as she is my first and favorite commander deck, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no bonds being broken there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so then how do you guys like to enjoy the game now? We've talked about what you did the very beginning of your magic careers. But what do you like now? What formats do you play? What strategies do you play?
1: I don't think mine has changed that much. So I play Commander and Pauper. Um, I don't think it's gone much beyond that. I'm not really a strategy player. I just kind of build decks around things I like, such as dogs and lizards, because at the time I had a pet dog and pet lizard, uh, or a particular card. For me, it's just about building a deck to have fun with. I'm just making the strategy work around that. I also play a little bit on Arena, uh, although I plan to play a bit more now that Sammy has kindly given me his old laptop. <laughs> Thank you very much for that.
0: You're welcome. I do think that's one of the things I like most about Magic the Gathering, is the ability to, well, play it however you want. If you want to build around just a thing that you like, you, you yeah. can, yeah, you, know, no, you exactly. see a specific card, a mechanic, a pair of colors, a theme, uh, you can build around it, and it is entirely possible to do so, and that that does make the game really special. I remember one deck that I saw, um, a commander deck, so hundred cards, singleton format, T pose tribal. Where <laughs> yeah, Every <laughs> yeah. card had somebody T posing that's, that's in deck. the artwork, that. and like. Yeah, this is the kind, of, the kind of ridiculousness that you can get up to mm-hmm. in magic deck building, and that is just glorious. Yeah, it, it's so diverse, and there's just so many cards where it, it really can be played however you want. Mm-hmm. What about you, Sam? What strategies do you tend to play? What formats do you prefer? Well, I'm a big Standard fan, um, and I think I was more so of a Standard fan uh, during FNM, because I think the competitive uh, FNM environment was just way more fun, and that was what made Standard more fun. I think recently I sort of fell out of love with it on Magic Arena because obviously that's during, in light of the COVID pandemic, that's the only real way I can get to play standard much mm. um, because while me and Josh do play in paper a lot together, uh, it just did not seem healthy to have standard decks that we'd only be playing against each other and then we're constantly changing because they're rotating, it's expensive and it's just not as enjoyable in paper I don't think, well, until you know local game stores be able to open again. So, as of now, I would say my favourite formats would definitely be Commander, and I have started to delve into Pauper as well. Yeah, I think Commander's just a great format in terms of playing casually, with a group of people, as opposed to one-on-one. It's a very enjoyable way to play Magic. Um, you know, you, get, you have a lot of fun, there's, and there's so many different things you can do because of your deck, and there's no sort of... It, it's kind of a less salty format, in a sense, because you have, like, one-offs of everything. There's no real... yeah. You know jank kind of i guess it's jank but like no sort of lame strategies if that makes sense there is less pressure on you to pilot the deck very well yes exactly is the way yes. that i would put it um, and i completely agree i think that commander edh is definitely the format with the most fun yeah now I, I think that people enjoy magic in different ways people have fun in different ways so i wouldn't say that it's just the most fun format, because that's very subjective, but oh, yeah, I do think that uh, EDH, of all the formats of Magic that you can play, EDH has the most focus on having fun. And that, I think, is what makes it so popular. I think it is the most popular um, um, format at the moment. But again, maybe that's in part because we can't do things like, we can't play Modern at GPs, we can't mm-hmm. go to FNMs and play Standard. Uh, So since you can only really play Paper Magic with people in your direct circle, maybe Mm. that's what's caused a huge uptick in Commander. Uh, What about yourself, Josh? What do you enjoy uh, with Magic when it comes to formats, strategies? So across any format, I think my top strategy is mid-range and value. I love getting as much value as I can from things that I'm already doing. Uh, So I like Things like uh, Flicker decks and Enter the Battlefield effects. Yeah. Uh, I do really like playing from the graveyard. I really liked the Team of Clover deck in Standard uh, because you just you, you make so many copies of your adventure spells and you get such insane amounts of value from doing things that you are gonna do anyway. And that's definitely the way that I prefer to win Magic. I don't tend to gravitate towards aggro strategies where you win by just going under the opponent and I don't really tend to go for heavy control decks where you don't win until your opponent just can't win. That those aren't that's not really my style. I prefer to get as much value as I can and then at the critical moment when you're when you're just far enough ahead of your opponent, that's that's when you go in, yeah. go in for the kill. There's you saw, a, there's a you satisfaction switch. of yeah. seeing all of your triggers happen and, mm-hmm. and just knowing that you've dominated your opponent in <laughs> yeah. those kind of fashions, yeah. Yeah, I like decks with loads of play patterns. Uh, and I like decks that almost uh, have a, a change in plan partway through. Um, like a deck that, say spends the first half of the game controlling and ramping and then the second half of, of the second half of the game deploying into massive threats. Th- those are the kinds of decks that appeal to me. The ones where you have so many diff- different decisions to make <laughs> yeah. So many, and, and you look back on a game and you, and you can really pinpoint like, oh that was a bad decision and this is where it went really wrong for me uh, or really right for me. Mm-hmm. Those are definitely the decks that I like to play and if we're talking formats, I do really, really enjoy EDH. I think that EDH is probably my favourite format. Um, But I do sometimes get a kind of desire to play something a bit more fast-paced and a bit more competitive. Something that does actually put pressure on me to pilot my deck correctly. Um, So for that, I like Pauper. I did play Standard. I have played Standard. I probably would play Standard again. Uh, But I'm not playing it right now. and I'm not super interested in it. Uh, but Pauper is fantastic. It's so accessible, so cheap. It's plays like how I imagine magic was supposed to be when it was first created. Like it's a little bit slower uh, but it is plenty interactive. It's There's, there's no insanely broken cards. There's no yeah. ridiculous combinations. It's just really honest magic. It's really budget. It's still competitive because it's still that 60 card format, yeah. Um, yeah. you can really fine-tune a deck to have one plan and then it, you get the same feeling I think when you pilot it really well uh, and you can practice with a pauper deck. I don't think you can do as much practice with a commander deck because y- you can only get so good at piloting it. Exactly, yeah. Um, but being good at piloting a pauper deck makes as much difference as being good at piloting a standard deck. And I, I do enjoy that sometimes. And I think adding on to that as well, I think pauper is just a much less oppressive format in the sense of like the tier one meta decks. They're not going to destroy you mm-hmm. in in the same way like a modern tier one deck would, or even a standard tier one deck at the moment, um, and historic as well. Historic is quite notoriously oppressive at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think pauper is so much more enjoyable, and also it, it feels that sort of competitive. Uh, what's the word, like hunger that you get. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's an enjoyable format. Yeah, sometimes you just want to really think, you want you want to mm-hmm. really flex your magic muscles. And, and, <laughs> yeah, pauper hits that spot, definitely. Your wizard brain. Your, your wizard brain, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so next question. Can you tell me one thing, one time, one event, one card that is really iconic about your Magic the Gathering? experience. Um, so an iconic moment for me uh, actually I remember entering the M20 pre-release weekend and that was my first ever limited uh, kind of game because I played in FNM before with just standard and then I think Josh explained to me how limited was and how you you know draft from packs or open six packs and make a deck and I was like sounds really really cool can't wait to try that uh, and M20, the M20 pre-release was the first one it was a sealed event so six packs and I ended up. Obviously, I didn't know any of the cards, so I kind of just picked which cards look the coolest. Uh, and I ended up building like a red blue elementals deck, I think, with like Lava Kid Baller. Um, and I, I, it was an iconic moment for me because I remember one of my opponents, uh, he was telling me how he got Golos in a pack. And he showed me what the card was, and it's like, you know, it's a five colour card. I'm like, I remember just telling me five colours sucks in the <laughs> Um But he. So I, initially I thought, wow, this guy's kind of dumb, like, what a terrible deck he's got. And then I found out that this guy is a really good player. Uh, he plays mono-red in like the Epidem tournaments and he, yeah, he's very proficient with it. Um, and yeah, he's a brilliant player and he ended up building a five colour Golos deck against me. And it got to the point where he was triggering Golos. He started playing things from his library for free and I was just like, this is, this is a limited game. <laughs> Why am I getting Golos here? Um, and yeah, it was a really iconic moment in the sense that I was like, this is the kind of stuff that can happen to you. Yeah. Uh, I was I got completely curb stomped by it, and it was, it was great fun. It was hilarious seeing what like his deck just pump things out and destroy mine. Uh, and yeah, I guess that was a, a memorable beating for yeah. me. It's even better when silly things happen in mm-hmm. Limited, like um, Shrines decks from M21 oh, gosh, Limited. Yeah. Uh, like the people who play five cover shrines in limited, like, mm-hmm. when that works, that's such a victory, <laughs> just just getting that to work. Yeah. So, I think for me, one thing that's really iconic about my magic experience is the Teamer Adventure deck from Standard. I first saw the deck when Aaron Gertler started mm-hmm. to play it. Uh, this was probably at the very, very beginning, or maybe towards the very end of 2019, beginning of 2020. And I saw the deck tech and I saw one of Aaron's streams where he was playing it and I thought, this, this looks like a fun deck. Mm -hmm. So much value, there are so many play patterns uh, and this looks really, like, so much fun to learn to play. And so, this kind of led to my first foray into being a spike. It was the first time that I really tried to compete at FNMs and, and compete in standard. I made the deck in paper, I made the deck in arena, and I began to really practice. I studied how other people played the deck. I kept a record of my matchups. I uh, tried to contribute as well. I did do the uh, like a big write-up on how the deck performed in the Ichorius ended uh, up on Reddit. And, I think that that was really iconic for me, because it was the first time that I realised what goes into being very good and improving at magic. And it was also the end of my standard career, because <laughs> yeah, as, soon, yeah, yeah. as soon as Lucky Clover was banned, I thought, well, that's it, no, I'm, yeah, I'm not doing this cool. anymore. Standard is not cool like the, <laughs> I, I was I, I was really salty about that band because clover clover did nothing wrong clover did nothing wrong omnath was the problem omnath needed yeah. to go yes clover did not need to go it absolutely did Debatable. not need to go debatably you know it was it was pretty impressive it was not it's <laughs> not
1: it's, okay it, it,
0: it, that <laughs> did need to go you're right I do agree that Omnath was the reason that it got broken, but I think it was it was, it was weird how it worked, in that even though it was before um, before Zendikar, it was a really good deck, um, and I think what happened was Omnath came out and everyone started playing it, um, and then everyone was like, yeah, this is oppressive. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it got the tools it needed to become that tier one, you know, oppressive deck, and yeah, I guess. I still get flashbacks of this moment, like Wizards printed a mm-hmm. really pushed broken card into standard mm-hmm. and that act got my favourite deck banned. Yeah. <laughs> and so now I, I'm i not playing standard anymore, I'm, <laughs> I'm not us. partaking in this cycle of them printing broken cards and then banning them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and instead you didn't even
0: play on that, it was just mm-hmm. your whole deck. Like you had no hopes of coming back into stand Yeah, it just for didn't much. work. Because you spent so much time. I remember like all the trades that we made for the like the shocklands and stuff, which obviously rotated. Because yeah, we uh, didn't want to spend money. We didn't want to spend we money. We traded a lot of cards yeah. <laughs> to make that deck. We
1: also drew brazen Borrowers until you could trade. For oh people. yeah, proxy goes. <laughs> <known>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but a bad a bad proxy.
0: <laughs> that was iconic. Yeah. Yeah. So that whole experience, I think, with that deck. Um, really gave me an insight into competitive magic and it did de- <laughs> <laughs> and it defined me as a magic player today I think yeah what about you Sarah what's iconic about your magic experience
1: okay so for context unlike these two I've never played an f or any other competitive mm-hmm. setting basically just because when we could do that I was way too nervous i didn't want to play anybody outside of our play group because i was just worried it was going to go awful Uh, but i did play a game of commander it was josh i uh, another guy who was super new to magic and somebody who at the time i was just in total awe of like everything he did was super quick i didn't know what he was doing just assumed everything he was doing was right but yeah he just i don't even know what he was doing but it was amazing uh so i just watched him do his thing, which included knocking Josh and the other guy out. <laughs> and he was about to do the same to me, and then, boom! Gideon sacrifice. Oh god,
0: yeah.
1: And <laughs> I survived for one well, turn. The
0: one mana cost one white instant speeds. Uh, yes. Prevent all damage. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, to, yeah and move it to. You move it, like one move one it to yeah. Yeah. End, yeah. You move
1: it to a creature or maybe a planeswalker, but anyway. That was great. It was one turn, I was dead the next turn, but in that moment, just the look on his face. Was just, that was a win for me.
0: So I have a couple of things that I need <laughs> yeah. <used> to address. <laughs> I um,
1: was waiting for this.
0: One, I do remember what this guy was doing. Uh, he was playing a Tatyova Benthic Druid Simic oh uh, EDH deck. And so I think that's where that sort of sense of awe, or in my case, tilting (laughs) (laughs) Um, because he had so many triggers he was playing lands and gaining life and drawing cards and then he had so many triggers um, that I think as newer players it was very 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 difficult to keep up with yeah and it was just we were just a bit blown away just Um, let him do
1: his thing assumed it was all allowed yeah (laughs)
0: yeah basically I
1: I just let you handle him a little bit
0: I wouldn't say let me handle him. I would I would say left me to handle him. Well,
1: yeah, because I couldn't do anything to him because I didn't know what he was doing. And the other guy was new, like me, so I didn't want to do anything to him, which meant I could only do stuff to you. Yeah.
0: And while you were doing stuff to me, I was trying to combat this tattoo over deck that was going
1: off. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so I was extra salty because I was like, D- does nobody else see the threat here?
1: We didn't. But oh, nobody no, at the I, table I wanted saw, to go near it. I saw the threat. I didn't know how to address the threat, <laughs> so I just addressed you—a much lesser threat.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and that, that's why I was so salty. I, oh. I,
1: I knew how to address you. I didn't know what he was doing.
0: And then, at risk of framing myself as the saltiest player, nah, that's
1: definitely in me. the room. Um, no, yes.
0: I Gideon sacrifice is. <laughs> Is not a good card, and
1: it does work for me very often. It does. It has. It, it yeah. has.
0: It, we play very often, and more than it should, it pulls through <laughs> yep. for you. It's really good. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, no, it does not, it's not really good.
1: It is it a bad is.
0: card, and I don't know why it works so often for you. Do you know why? I, I do not understand. It's because it's
1: in my taster deck. And there's real love in that deck. Yeah, it's and because she's a good I, magic player. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Sammy. You heard it here first. Yeah. I am a it was great, right? Great, great, great magic, magic player. last week. I said. said good, but good You meant great. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Pretty much every time you get new cards and you're like, oh, what could I what could I swap out in this deck? My answer is always, always well Gideon sacrifice. Gideon's sacrifice <laughs> for a start. That's the first thing you should cut because it's terrible. And then let's look at the other option. She's just disregarding it. It's I still in will. the deck, and you still use it, and it still works, and it shouldn't. It has no right. <laughs> it has no right to be as good as it is.
1: Yeah. Well, there you go. That's why it's iconic <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So, last question. Um, with this podcast, and with some of the other stuff that we're going to work on, what impact do you hope to have on the Magic the Gathering community? I have thought about this a lot, and I think what I would really like to see is a few things. Definitely more pauper content. Yeah. I think pauper is really underrepresented in the community. I think it has much more of a following on MTG Online, but I want to see more pauper paper magic being played. Pauper, um, paper. pauper paper. Pauper paper. I would like to see more EDH being played as well, although I don't think EDH really needs oh, help. Oh no, yeah. That, that, that's nice. <laughs> Yeah, the, as you said, the most popular format. And I want to encourage more budget, fun, focused magic. And by budget, I, I don't necessarily mean just cheap. Uh, I, I mean budget, I mean intentional. Uh, and I mean, when, when, when I think budget, I don't just think money, I think time as well. Uh, and I, I would like to see more magic that takes up less of people's money and less of people's time. The, the more time and life energy that you can spend actually having fun playing Magic, the better. And I think that that's an idea that I would really like to promote. Um, I would really like to su- get push people to support their local game stores, to get involved with their communities, to, when the time comes that we can return to normal life, focus on the gathering side of Magic. That's good. Yeah, He, w- he wanted to, improve
1: <laughs> he wanted to that. push that in there, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Don't like okay, talking uh, about it. <laughs> it just came off the tongue it happened naturally I didn't oh, yeah. that's, that. yeah. that's, <laughs> that's
1: not written down in your notes no definitely not <laughs> do you want to go next Sarah? Uh, I can do but it's honestly just going to be an echo of what you've said I think so far yeah. I've spoken a lot about Commander but Paul for something I've been playing for a couple of months now mm-hmm. and I can definitely see that it's underrepresented in the community and I would like to help change that and yeah just like you said just get the fun back into magic not that it's gone but make it more fun yeah what
0: about you well i think with this podcast you know i think us three as magic players are i think we're fairly informative um we have a lot of experiences to share Uh, we're not we haven't been playing it for a long time per se but i think you know we can provide a sort of opinion or like a provide information and a perspective mm. of someone an who's insight. Yeah. Like an say insight, it. you might say, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we might provide an insight that is, you know, of you know relatively new players. Um, and yeah, I think we can just provide sort of informative content in that sense. Yeah, I, I do think so. I think even as relatively newer players, mm. we've definitely got something to offer. Yeah. And whilst I don't think we have any plans for this in mm. the pipeline right now. I would also like to see and put out there more high-production Paper Magic content. Yeah. Because there are creators who do make really excellent content for Paper Magic, Mm. but I think that there could be more, to to put it succinctly. I I think that there could be more people playing pauper and EDH and putting their their games out there um, with, you know, a a good, clean, high production value. Mm Uh, I think that would be a really entertaining thing to see. I think it would definitely drive engagement with the rest of the community. I-, I think that pushing paper magic is how you put the emphasis on getting people together and getting involved with the community. I do really like arena. That said, I've never, I've never actually played entity online. Mm. Um, I do like arena. I think that arena is better if you're trying to improve at magic. Just. Oh, yeah just grinding on arena uh, is, is is so much easier to deck build, it's so much easier to make small tweaks. It's very accessible as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, that you have a much wider variety of options with your cards in the sense that you can have mm-hmm. like the same... Four, like, you can have a playset of cards in multiple decks which is much harder to do and flick between them quickly in paper. So I, I think that arena and online magic definitely has its place mm-hmm. but I think that pushing uh, pushing paper magic um, will help to bring people together. Yeah. And Which we'll... is not the, the best idea right now, obviously. No. But <laughs>
1: in your support bubbles. In
0: your support yeah. bubbles and in near, near, nearby future. No, this is actually my plan to uh, rid the world of <laughs> as many magic players as possible. I'm, I'm secretly a Yu Gi Oh! player. Right. I mean, you do, you do play Spreading Plague in your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go, there this you go. that says it all. <laughs> so that's everything that we have for today. I hope this has given you some kind of insight into who we are and what we're hoping to do. We're really looking forward to making more content. And if you have any thoughts or opinions or feedback to offer us, we will really appreciate it. You
1: can reach out to us on Twitter, it's at Insight.
0: Yeah, we will really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, any kind of criticisms, uh, I don't know actually. Be nice to us. Yeah, yeah. be nice. <laughs> We're magic players. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that is really all that we have. I've been Josh.
1: I've been Sam. I've been Sarah. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening.